What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Cart Podcast feed. It is the divisional round in the NFL playoffs, the final eight. Matty D and I break down everything, all four matchups. We talk about last week's games, the recent firing of Doug Peterson with the Eagles. We also talk about the college football playoff national championship game and a little bit more of the coaching carousel. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what y'all think. Let us know in the show notes or tweet at us. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. We've been doing recaps of the Flyers games, or game, because they've only played one right now, but we'll keep doing those along with the PGA Tour, and probably some with football too. But you got to make sure that you follow us so that you can see all of that, submit questions, and all that good stuff. And the best way to be a part of the conversation is to join our Facebook group. Search the Bullpen Card Podcast on Facebook, as well as wherever you get your podcast, to mash that subscribe button. But enjoy the episode, everybody. Enjoy the football. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me after his return from Ukrainian Christmas is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Matty D. How are you? I am good. I, uh, you know, we are through the holidays. We're, we're kind of reset and restarting in 2021. Uh, many ways. We'll talk about some of the resets and restarts that are occurring for our favorite team, G, but uh, good to have uh, some really excellent NFL playoffs already. Uh, probably only going to get better. Uh, and then and then on top of that, too, uh, I know it's not on this podcast, but but hockey is back and the, oh, yeah. the NBA is in full swing, which I which I certainly appreciate. So a lot going on, which is uh, which is always great. Absolutely. And if you've not checked out our NHL Season preview with Greg Piatelli and Mark Higgins. Go check that out. Subscribe to the podcast. All that good stuff. Matt mentioned it, though. The Eagles made an announcement on Monday. They have fired Doug Peterson, which came a week after the season ended for the Eagles. It came after a trip to Florida for Dougie P. Matt, we didn't get you last week to talk about, you know, the sitting Jalen Hurts and all that. But what are you thinking? After the Eagles did this, because this uh, this is a, a little strange of a move. I feel like. Uh, I wouldn't know if it necessarily. I mean, it's. It, I wouldn't say it's strange. The timing was a little strange. That's what right? I mean. The timing because, is strange. So, yeah. Um, one of the things I didn't realize, by the way, is that the last three Eagles head coaches all all were fired. By the way, all were fired with winning records, which is surprising. Uh, even Chip Kelly who we had our issues with, um, had a winning record when he was fired. So kind of a strange, most teams don't fire three coaches in a row with winning records. Um, I think I think the one thing I take away from that, though, is that this is Philadelphia. We expect winners. Um, not only that, but uh, Jeffrey Lurie demands the best. So I, I, I like that he has us risen above a, hey, we're not a 500 team. We're not a team that just makes playoffs. We want to win the whole thing. So I like the aggressiveness. Um, that's kind of an, an overarching theme that I had, but I agreed with the move. Um, I, I didn't like 
the way the quarterback situation was handled. I didn't like the way week 17 went. And at the end of the day, in the NFL, a quarterback is going to win the battle, right? You talk about, you know, you know Aaron Rodgers um, winning out over Mike McCarthy. And the, the opposite of that is when a coach wins out, a.k.a. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady's now a Buccaneer. He's playing this weekend, and the Patriots are hoping they can figure out their next steps after a really ne- a really bad season for them, you know? Um, so I agreed with the move. I-, I love Doug. I thought he did a great job here. I think he'll be- do great somewhere else. Um, but he needed to make it work with the franchise quarterback, which is which was and still probably is Carson Wentz. Um, and it appears like his vision wasn't aligned. And uh, so they let go of him. Um I think the mistake is they didn't go far enough. And as much as I also respect Hallie Roseman, I think Kyrie Roseman needed to go as well. So that'll be an interesting dynamic moving forward. Yeah, so my thoughts are exactly the same. I, I kind of wish that they'd let go of Howie Roseman as well. And it really seems like he now really has Jeffrey Lurie, you know, something over him or, or whatever it happens to be. Because, you know, as bad as this season went with some coaching and play calling and all that sort of stuff, uh, and even you can look back, to a couple, you know, a couple years ago with blown leads and all this sort of stuff, really since the Super Bowl, um, you know, the, the roster construction was terrible. And I think you know, giving out certain contracts, and that includes Carson Wentz's, um, you know, never really, they still are, are biting the Eagles in the ass, and it never really came to fruition. The only one that seems to really have been worth the money is the Fletcher Cox deal. Uh, and obviously he was banged up throughout the year. And, and that's where my opinion had been for a long time throughout the season was, oh, everybody's hurt. Let's just get through the season and you know, go from there and, you know, see what, see what happens in 2021 when, you know, COVID's hopefully ramped down a little bit. The fans can be back in the stands and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And as the season went along, and I think it was really that second Giants game where nothing went right and the play calling was terrible. Carson played terribly. And it just, it didn't seem like anything was going well. And it's funny you mentioned Chip Kelly, because it does feel kind of like when the Eagles did fire him and kind of this, I don't know, sense of not loss, but you're not really sure where their directionlessness um, versus when Andy Reid got fired, you know, eight years ago in at the end of 2012, that kind of seemed like it was time of, you know, it had been a couple years where, you know, things just weren't really going right, and obviously a four and twelve year that year, um, with a I remembered all time Nick Foles game winning drive, which should have seen that as a sign of things to come. But you, the winning record point is is absolutely valid, and it almost seems like if you're a new coach that comes in, are you worried that if you you, know, you can't figure out Carson Wentz and you still have an under five hundred record, or even if you do and and something you know you know, just something goes wrong, are you immediately on the hook. Do you think that's something that coaches who are interviewing with the Eagles are worried about and potentially could say no to the Eagles for? Well, I think to me, if I'm a head coach coming in and if I'm willing to ask a question, you know, that could, that could potentially negate me from the job. So the one thing is to me, this, to me, this move is made. I know Jeffrey Lurie didn't say it, did not like his press conference, but these are owners. They're all a little strange for the most part. Um, and he doesn't give a lot of press conference. He's not Jerry Jones. He doesn't do this often. But um, I want to hear – so to me, th- this move is made because we're keeping Carson. That's the only way this makes sense. It, because to what I think happened is Doug Peterson went in and said, I'm, I want to move on. I want to use Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, I, 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 that's non-negotiable for me. 
and Jeffrey Lotus said, well, I want to stick with Carson Wentz. If you hire a coach and then go with Jalen, I think you've made a huge mistake. Jeffrey Lurie has. So if, to me, when you're interviewing these coaches, you're saying, hey, this is why Doug isn't here. This is why you will stay here. Like, like you will have the longevity that you want if you win with Carson kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, and I, but I also think we're, we're, in an, we're an anomaly compared to a lot of other franchises who tend to churn through coaches pretty quickly. You know, you think of the Browns, obviously they're probably the, the, the best, best slash worst example, if you will. Um, but, um, you know, the NFL, even for coaches, they don't, they don't always last very long. Um, few go beyond five plus years. I mean, honestly, if you look around the league, a lot of these coaches are relatively new um, and, you know, the turnover happens quickly. So I don't think it necessarily hurts um, because I do think Jeffrey Lurie is a good owner. And I think somebody that comes here, you know, we'll know that. Um, but maybe some of the top, top, top candidates that if you even want them, maybe they're a little concerned about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll see. Yeah, so let's not run through the entire list because we got the rest of the weekend to talk about. Uh, right. But who is your desired head coaching candidate? Yeah, so there's, there's two in particular that, uh, to me, are no-brainers. Um, one is Brian Dable. Uh, or Dabble, I think it is. He is the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. The other is Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. They are my top two candidates in my mind uh, for two reasons. One, they have they have legitimate NFL experience, right? They're not a college coach, even though they may have had some time in college before. Um, but furthermore, they both took quarterbacks, one who was, was basically discarded in Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, um, who's now a $100 million quarterback, and Josh Allen, who has a lot of similarities to Carson Wentz in terms of what he brings to the table and made both of them into, into Josh Allen, a, a, like I said, $100 million man for Ryan Tannehill and an MVP candidate for Josh Allen. Those are the two guys to me that make sense to bring them in um, and give them and, and, you know, work with Carson and fix him, if you will, to get him back to that MVP level in 2017. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was uh... – I'm sorry, I thought you were finished there, but oh, you're fine. No, it's a really good point, and I feel like offensively minded coaches. Yeah, I feel feel like that's better for the Eagles and find a good D coordinator. Which obviously that's another search entirely. Uh, I'd rather see that than a defensive guru who, you know, doesn't totally figure it out. I mean, obviously the the trend is going towards offense, so I think that's you know a big part of it. But also just the the track records that we've seen, the Dan Quinns, the Matt Patricias of the world. And where they've gone through uh, through their careers. Obviously, Atlanta got close to winning a Super Bowl. So, Dan Quinn, not totally thrown out there. But there were also some pretty bad years in there. And Patricia just never figured it out with, with Detroit. But, no, I, I like those candidates a lot. Uh, I hope that some of these other names are just noise. Like, that Adam Gase might be somewhere in the mix with the Eagles. Which I wouldn't want. I know he was thrown around when Doug Peterson originally got hired. And went to Miami. And that turned out to be the right thing for everybody. But... Yeah, I hope a lot of the noise is just that and that the Eagles aren't really just interviewing basically anybody that expresses interest in the job. Yeah, I, I think a couple of dark horses that I've thought of, you know, I, I know Lincoln Riley is just a sexy name, but I, I doubt they bring him in because, again, that would mean we're going with Jalen Hurts. So I, unless that's his move, um, that's the only reason I would see that happening. Um, I think Joe Brady, the LSU, former LSU coordinator, who was the offensive coordinator for the Panthers is going to get a serious look. I think he should. 
They had four players this year over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Mike Davis, the backup running back with McCaffrey injured, um, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson all had 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Uh, for a Panthers team that didn't win a lot, you know, and, and there's and a lot of reasons why that happened. A number of them were injured, too. Right. So that's a guy to me that I'm like, wow, he, he could spark. He's 31. He's young, not going to lie. But one of the reasons you've got to bring in somebody young is because you might not get another shot at them, right? Um, so I, I think he's a great dark horse for the job. And I'm with you, too. As much as I like, like, a Robert Sala, um, I, I think you have to – if you look at the teams left in the playoffs, these are offensive-minded coaches, right? Um, um, what's his – oh, my God, I'm going to forget the best one, the young one. Hang on, but I'll think of it in a Who, second. McVay um, or, or – McVay. Uh, Jeez, that's yeah. so bad. Yep, so you got McVay, Matt LaFleur with the Packers. you got Sean Payton. Um, you've got Bruce Arians, all offensive minds. You've got um, Kevin Stefanski, who is offensive, but I, you know, I think he's pretty, so there's an offensive guy there. Uh, you know, Reed. you've got Andy Reid, obviously, who's you know offensive coach, right? Um, you've got I think McDermott's Harbaugh probably a mix. The, yeah. No, McDermott's a DC, so he's probably yeah. the only only example of a defensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator now as a head coach who's left. I think maybe you could say he's still um, pretty offensive. Harbaugh. He's I don't know, yeah, his... but, he, but I'm just thinking of where I'm thinking oh where, where they came from. from. I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah, they're tracks. So there is one out of eight who is a defensive coordinator. Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator for the Eagles. Yes. Um, fun fact. So when you look at the mix, you're seeing heavily offensive, you're seeing young, and you're seeing even the old ones, such as an Arians, a Peyton, and an Andy Reid, are um, they're innovative. They do different things. They work different. They look at Sean Payton making t- Taysom Hill a one-man Jack of all trades. So I think you want a young, exciting head coach. And we'll see. That's why, as much as I like Deuce Staley, unless he blows them away in interviews, I'm, I'm not I, – I don't know if I'm sold there, just to be honest. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it would be kind of cool to see the guy work his way up. He's been around the, the organization forever. That would be, be fun to see. It would be a great story. But I'd you know want to see more, obviously – you know, we had a lot of question marks when Doug got hired, and it worked out. They won a Super Bowl. So, you know, they're they're asking the right questions that you got to think Lori is within the room. I don't know what how he's asking, but I need to see a lot out of him in the draft to regain any confidence in what he's doing because that's, that's completely shot with me. Yeah, that makes sense. I was going to try to make a point of coaching trees, although a quarter of the, the playoffs are of the Mike Shanahan coaching tree. I wanted to see if anybody else – I obviously knew McVay and LaFleur were a part of that, but – I want to see if anybody else within uh sneakily were a part of that, but uh, I guess technically the Andy Reid coaching tree is another quarter. But <laughs> let's jump into this weekend though by quickly wrapping up last weekend. Were there any games that stu- stood out to you as a complete shock uh, or something completely unexpected? I actually, honestly, the one that was kind of shocking to me was the was Tampa Bay struggling um, a little bit, you know, against Washington. Sure. They kept that really close. Um, this, I don't know, maybe surprised wasn't the right word, but I, I thought they would do, I thought Washington would really fold, um, much worse than that. Um, so, so that kind of, that kind of was shocking. I, I had see, so when we talked, I did have the, what I missed, I think the only one I missed maybe No, no, Yeah. Well, I missed Seattle. Um, because I, I really thought Jared Goff couldn't go. Um, obviously, you know, Seattle has some serious concerns that I think they need to work out after watching that game. Um, so an interesting off season for them. Um, but that was the only miss I had in terms of straight, straight to pick them. 
I don't know about the spreads, but uh, uh, I don't know if it shocked me, but I, I, I think I just didn't know Goff would play. He was the emergency quarterback, although he was also the only other quarterback there other than Wofford, so that was kind of strange. But no, I mean, pretty chalk, I thought, in terms of what I was, what I was expecting. Um, pretty chalk. Yeah, I guess Phillip Rivers not getting it done with Indy. Uh, what could it, what might have been his last chance. It's kind of surprising late in that game. They had the ball. They, they could have kicked a game-tying field goal, I think. I was a little surprised there that he didn't figure it out late. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously aggression outside, really, of the Tennessee Titans. Aggression was the theme of the weekend. Um, a lot of great memes from the from the punt that the Titans made in the fourth quarter. But, uh, yeah. yeah, the... Yeah, the Peyton, or not Peyton Manning, I saw Indy and thought Peyton Manning. The Phillip Rivers point, yeah, I don't know. I um, I wanted the, the I almost said the Sabres. Why am I throwing everything around? I wanted the Bills to win, and I thought I thought they were going to get the job done, and, and Indy covered. They they kept it close, and I thought that they may not. You know, we saw, we saw them kind of fold a little bit down the stretch. I know you had obviously been very high on their defense, and their defense had been great at times and had struggled at other times. I thought it was going to be the lack of it, just playing a cold game, kind of that classic Buffalo weather. But, yeah, I don't know. I think the – do you think it's the last ride? Do you think he tries to go find somewhere else? I think they might run it back with him. I think maybe it depends on who else is available. Um, it makes sense to me. So, um, again, I, I, I would consider that they want to run it back. I, I think if they don't run it back, yes, I think it's the the last ride, if yeah, you will. Probably. I don't um, I, I agree with that. I don't think a a team that's in desperate need of a quarterback probably isn't gonna go out for one maybe probably just one more year of Rivers. They're gonna try to draft somebody. Um the only team I could see that maybe does it is as if Drew Brees actually does retire and they just wanna have a holdover while while they can't find a quarterback in the draft, but or they want to have a guy get groomed by Philip Rivers, something like that. Uh, I don't yeah, think Denver I, yeah, does. I, I, I don't think anybody else does that either. So Denver might be, um, mostly because honestly, Denver's got some talent. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Would be the best way I can put it. Um, they've got a lot of talent on that roster, so they might be able to. Um, would be my one person that maybe gets tossed into that mix. But um, yeah, so um, as a thought there. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think he's probably done, and it would just be a lot for him. Um, you know, he can see his deficiencies at the moment, sure. right? He's not mobile, never was mobile, but um, the arm seems okay, to be honest. But Yeah, it um, does. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I think uh, of that, obviously the Browns shocked the Steelers, which you had, you you and Michael J. Clark both had the Browns winning that. I, uh, you know, I thought the, the no coach was going to be a bigger factor than it was, and they looked excellent, the Browns, and I, you know, I'm excited to see them play uh, play Kansas City this weekend. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but you know, all credit to them and a lot of uh, question marks. I feel like in Pittsburgh, just they didn't seem ready to go. Big Ben played, he played okay, you know, bad at times, and then some were just bad bounces. Some of those picks, but I don't know that. Uh, it seemed like the the Steelers should have been a lot more prepared, and as a team, they they kind of came out flat and. Cleveland, I think, really took the the Bolton board material and, and really drove it to them. Yeah, um, I just felt like the Steelers were fading. You know, um, they can't run the ball at all. They can't play ball control. Uh, and I, honestly, Big Ben was has never been a guy that throws it that much. I mean, he's had moments, but at his age, I think that's a struggle. Um, they also the other storyline with Pittsburgh that people didn't necessarily follow was the amount of 
loss they had at linebacker. Yes. T.J. Watt is incredible, but they lost Bud Dupree. They lost Devin Bush. Uh, they lost a couple other talented linebackers. Even, like, the backups, you know, went down. Uh, and I think that began to really negatively affect them. The Browns didn't necessarily run the ball very well. Um, not bad, but not very well. Um, and the Steelers made a lot of mistakes offensively with the, in the turnover game that affected them. But their defense wasn't as stout as it was to start the year. And so I think that negatively impacted them, you know, um, as good as TJ Watt was all year. So that's kind of the underlying storyline for the Steelers um, who have a, an interesting off season with their quarterback there. They need to rebuild a running game. The offensive line is aging. So it'll be interesting to see because they do have talent, but it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. But let's, I feel like the other storylines we can talk about with games, specifically the Ravens, we can jump into, as we talk about that game. Uh, but let's jump into the weekend. The first game is the Mike Shanahan Bowl. The Green Bay Packers, the one seed coming off a bye, hosting the six-seeded Los Angeles Rams. No seven seeds made it out of the first round, sadly. But this game, you know, the Rams were a team we were both pretty high on, you know, before Jared Goff got hurt. And as you mentioned it, thought that Jared Goff, we weren't sure what was going on with him. But this is a team that I, that I was pretty excited about. Green Bay is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Matt, what is your take going right into this? still think I still, it's such a hard game. I know Goff's going to play. Um, Cam Akers looks like the real deal, by mm-hmm. the way. Get running back for them. I drafted him. He took too long to get going. But, um, man, I, I, I want to say, oh, the Rams with the Terminator Aaron Donald in it, and, and Jalen Ramsey, who probably will shut down Devontae Adams. Um, but they're going to Green Bay. It's going to be frigidly cold, most likely. I think there's a potential snowstorm up there. Uh, and I don't, know what, I don't know how I can go against Aaron Rodgers on, on playing, with all, playing on all cylinders in this Packers team. That seems to be really in a good spot. They've got a great pass defense, um, and they proved they could stop the run against Derrick Henry a few weeks ago. So they're really well-rested, which I think is important in this case. Here's the X factor. Cooper Cup's not practicing. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't play, I don't think they have much of a shot. If he plays, I think they give him another dynamic weapon, and I love him offensively, but I'm taking the Packers here in a very close contest. So you think you think the Packers win, but LA plus six and a half? You'd say? I I would I would think it's close. I I, I would say LA can cover that, um, I, and I think a lot of that goes to Aaron Donald, who is the is the I've never seen a defensive player impact a game like him. I mean, it's every play he is in the backfield. Rodgers is the king of getting away from that, so I think that helps him. But he is going to be a one man wrecking crew. Um, but I still think they pull it out, but I think, I think the Rams cover. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I also am taking the Rams to cover. You mentioned a lot of it. The defense, I feel like is going to figure out how to shut things down. I think Devontae Adams, how he responds to a Jalen Ramsey and how much time Aaron Rodgers has, obviously he's, he's one of the quickest gunslingers in the league. I just think that's going to be the X factor to this LA's offense. Really, you know, we got to see what happens here. Uh, the Cooper Cup point is very astute, uh, but Green Bay's running defense is nothing to write home about. I think if Ackers is getting it going, then this could be this could be really interesting. I think it's gonna be a low scoring game, so I think that's that's also in our favor. Is 
Rams plus six betters, but I like the Rams to pull off the upset and, and get this done. Cause I think their defense is that good. And I think they figure out how to, how to, uh, you know, get this thing done. Yeah. Um, I think the other NFC game is the hardest one. Yeah. Well, and we'll get to that. That is Sunday evening, Sunday night. Sorry, I jumped the gun there, but yeah, I just was thinking out loud. Go ahead. No, 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 no. But, uh, Saturday night football, once again, in the divisional round, the Baltimore Ravens are on Saturday night, but this time they're on the road. They're the five seed going up to Buffalo. And Matt, just to follow up on the Green Bay weather point, it's supposed to snow in the morning, and then uh, you know, by game time, it's about a fifteen percent chance of snow. Buffalo, Maddie, is going to be snowy at game time. Sixty percent chance of snow showers. In Buffalo, New York, and at the Bills Stadium, which I believe is what it's called now because they lost the new era deal. This game is going to be a lot of fun. I obviously have been a big believer in the Bills all year. Yes, it is called Bills Stadium. I just pulled it up. They are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Josh Allen has had such an incredible glow-up this year. He'd been pretty good the year before. Obviously, you know, a little injured, and Bills weren't as good as they obviously ended up being this year, 13-3. and three. But on the other side, we didn't talk about it. Lamar Jackson found his playoff mojo. He looked incredible last week against the Titans. Obviously, two great touchdown runs. And his receivers were catching balls. They look great. Mm-hmm. I know the snow is going to affect this. Over-underline still at 49.5. You almost wow. had to play that overline, even though snow really does not do a passing game well. But Matt, I think this this could be the game of the weekend. You mentioned a little bit about the Bucks and Saints going to be a tough one, but this one's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I think the Bucks and Saints is just the hardest to pick. I, I love this game. First of all, how amazing, um, how amazing is is the the amount of young quarterbacks left in the playoffs when you think about it, right? And these two are two of the top ones. Um, Both two thousand eighteen all time great. It's either all time great Hall of Famers or something a little, you know, or, or these young bucks, right? I'm going to tell you, man, I have not been a believer in Baltimore, but they are, they are coming in with a complex and efficient ground game uh, that utilizes a ton of counters. So, you know, steps one way goes the other way, a lot of misdirections. Um, this Bill's defense is not a very good run defense. They are not particularly uh What's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, I'll think about it. Gap. gap their gap control is sure. weak, poor. Um, they get out of position too quick. They're not the same Bills defense as even a year ago. We've talked about that a little bit all year. Mm-hmm. I think Lamar Jackson in this running game, along with the big play weapons at receiver, are going to cause some serious problems for Buffalo's defense. I think this amazing year for Buffalo does come to an end here. Um, but I also think the defense from Buffalo is going to be a huge factor. They have great corners that can take away Stefan Diggs enough. And there's the running game with Zach Moss being injured falls on Devin Singletary, who truly hasn't been enough for them. That's why they brought in Zach Moss. I think there's a lot of frustration uh, offensively for the bills. Cause I think the Baltimore Ravens defense is, is good. Um, you think of, we haven't even talked about, they have, they have uh, in Gakwe now uh, they've got Clay's Campbell. Um, they've got, you know, Pat, uh, Patrick queen at linebacker. Um, the rookie. So I think they're very talented. Matt Judon, I think they're going to 
I think it's going to be a tough game, but I actually like the Ravens to win here. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. I'm going with the Bills because I, like I mentioned, been a, a big believer of them all season. I think that Josh Allen has done a really good job. I think, um, you know, his guys have, have really stepped up around him. The defense is an astute point for both teams. Baltimore's has been one of the best in the league, not just in, in the rush defense, but you mentioned their, their corners, uh, seventh in the league for total yards, sixth for passing yards against, which actually ranks higher than eighth for rushing yards against. But you mentioned their safeties. If they can shut down Stefan Diggs, how, you know, who does ended up end up going to, is it a Cole Beasley, you know, ultimate breakout game. He was a banged up a little bit. Zach Moss being out. You mentioned it really tough setback. Um, Singletary though, in games where he has, has had to get it done. He's had a couple glimpses of it. Um, some of it too, has just been, he breaks out a big run. You know, he did that in the Saturday game right before or after Christmas. Um, but it'll be very fun to see this game and where it goes. I do think the Buffalo defense is probably the biggest X factor. Uh, and if the repeat performance can happen with Lamar's receivers and, and what happens there, because obviously his foot, his feet can really shake things up and spread it out. So I, you know, if it, there was no snow, I think this is a no-brainer to to for the over to cover. Uh, but I am going with the Bills here because I think I think they get it done. I just I think their magic keeps going. I also partially want to see if just in case of the Browns pull it out, I think a Bills Cleveland AFC Championship game would be love awesome. That. Would love that. Yeah, it'd be incredible. But um, yeah, I'm I'm sticking with the Bills here mainly just because I've uh, I've been on them from the beginning. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, I mean, I, I, like I said, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good thought. Looking at the injury report for these two teams, though, at least on Yahoo, Baltimore's looks like it could be its own team. How long this list is. It's true. Uh, not that, that that's making any reason, you know, further reason for it. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that are out, but I just wanted to point that out. Uh, going to Sunday, though, we go to the Cleveland-Kansas City game. 3 p.m., the Kansas City Chiefs walk in to the playoffs as 10-point favorites against the upstart Browns, who their offense looked great last week. It was firing on all cylinders. Defense was able to force a lot of turnovers. They were getting the bounces. But this is Patrick Mahomes we're talking about here. He's got all of his weapons ready to go. They're well-rested. Matt, break this thing down for me. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of disrespect to the Chiefs. Lately, I don't get it. Did we not see what Mahomes did in the playoffs last year? Have, has he gotten worse? Like, I, I missed some of this. Oh, the Chiefs are not actually playing as good. I get that. They didn't play as great as you would expect, but this is what they were. This was their goal. They're the number one seed in the AFC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Clyde's Edward Hillar is practicing again. Oh. They have the arguably the best tight end and best, and best productive in terms of production weapons, tight end and wide receiver and Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, both of who at times can be completely unguardable. This defense is built to let Mahomes play from a, from a, with a lead, which I like. I cannot pick against Mahomes. I won't do it, literally. There's not a team out here. To me, it's just your quarterback better, and I think Mahomes is better. Um, so that's, that's my first thought right off the bat. Um, I think the Browns have some ability with the running game against a Chiefs defense. It's not particularly – Awesome against the run. They're a little undersized at times, especially some of the linebackers. So I think that they can keep it close. But I trust I trust Mahomes more than I trust Mayfield. 
Um, and I think there's some some of the injury issues in the backs in the back end of that Cleveland defense are going to rear their head against this excellent passing attack. And not even Miles Garrett and his incredible athleticism are going to be able to fully slow down the Chiefs at home at Arrowhead. So I like the Chiefs to win. I think 10's a big number, though. I'd like the Browns to cover, Chiefs to win. Yeah, I, that's my exact thought as well. Um, I you, you mentioned it all, what they're able to do, the number of different weapons that the Chiefs have, and even guys that either were banged up but have been weapons either this year or, or prior um, who may or may not be playing. But I think another point that, that people may be forgetting, the Chiefs were down in all three of their playoff games last year and came back. They roared back against this. So even if Cleveland does come out firing like they did against Pittsburgh. They really have to keep it going. And they let Pittsburgh back into that game, which I think is a really bad sign for them. Um, I agree, the Cleveland plus 10, but I think Kansas City gets this thing done. It's probably about a touchdown, but this thing, if it turns into a track meet, I mean, Tyreek Hill, he could just get this thing done all on his own. I know, um, you know, obviously you want to try to get some sort of you know, balance going and, and how Andy Reid likes to call games, but it's Mahomes and it's tough to, to really unseat him until... Somebody finds a way to just completely clip his, you know, clip the wings from the, the balls he's throwing. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, I've done this all year of any big Chiefs line thinking that they can cover, but I do think that Cleveland, is, it once again, is going to use that bolt and board fodder and, you know, come out firing and, and maybe even a backdoor cover is what makes a difference here. But I, I like Cleveland plus 10. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we go into this final game, the game that you were talking about. Tough to pick. Two future Hall of Famers, obviously one of the greatest ever to do it. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, after a thrilling victory over the Washington football team, travel to Nolens in the Superdome to face the Saints. Sadly, Matt, this game will not be on Nickelodeon. We didn't talk about that. If you want to give an opinion on what you thought of the Nickelodeon game, by all means, but break down this game. Well, the reason it's so challenging because both teams have a lot of positives on paper, is that the, I've seen what happened the last two times Tampa Bay played the Saints, and it mm-hmm. wasn't even competitive. Mm-hmm. Really, the only game Tampa Bay hasn't been competitive in is against the Saints. There's an adage that you, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. The problem mm-hmm. I have is they, they didn't just beat them. They, they beat every in every facet of the game. Tampa Bay couldn't score, and they couldn't stop them. So I'm confused, and I'm challenging. It's challenging to pick because, I mean, it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't lose twice to any teams. I mean, you know, in his heyday, you know, even if the Bills or Dolphins or Jets won one game, they didn't win two, you know? So, um, wow, it, you know, it's 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 really tough. Um, Brady is, at, is, to me, is considerably better right now than Drew Brees is as a quarterback. Oh, absolutely. That being said, Tampa Bay's defense was a little overstated. Um, they have some players, but they don't have the same caliber um, as the Saints do or the depth. And Tampa Bay's offensive line is not nearly as good as the Saints. And the running game, because of that, the running game isn't as great. Obviously, Alvin Kamara is very good. But Latavius Murray is also a heck of a player for the Saints. Um, it's in New Orleans, which I don't really think – I know they're because you know, they don't have the same amount of fans. I don't think really, really neg- like positively impacts anybody here. Um, my gut says go with Tampa Bay. But my brain says, man, didn't you watch the first two games? Um, I, this is why it's so challenging. And you know what? I, you know, they have Antonio Brown is, is more integrated than he was. And, um, hopefully Ronald Jones is healthy. Cause I do think he's a better back than Leonard Fournette, but, uh, that's 
that's why I'm struggling to pick because of the, the two times they played before. Yeah, so this definitely is one. So, gonna, so what I'm saying is I'm going to make you pick first. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so you, you obviously pointed out the last time these two teams met a complete shutout, or I guess there was a field goal, but the offense really didn't do much. You got to think that's going to change. You got to think this is going to be a pretty close game. That being said, Kamara, pretty good game last week. Obviously not Christmas Day level, but you got to think he's going to he's going to be a huge part of this, especially with Drew Brees and where he's been. You know, I don't know a better way to to articulate that better. Uh, obviously the banged up ribs and everything, and then the Taysom Hill factor comes in as well, which adds a layer to it, but. That front seven that Tampa Bay has, it, it should be very good. And and that's going to be a very big X factor is how do they contain Kamara, Latavius Murray, and then the potential of Taysom Hill and what he could bring to this, especially in a goal line package, which is something we've seen the Saints do a lot over the last couple weeks. Um, having said that, on the flip side, New Orleans' defense, pretty good. And obviously their secondary has the confidence of what they did in previous games. But it's really good. Marshawn Lattimore, obviously a very solid cor- cornerback. Malcolm Jenkins, you know, he's really he's really firing on all cylinders, and and you know we've seen a little more out of him in Philadelphia recently because he's been talking about Doug Peterson and various uh, hires he thinks the Eagles should make. But he's still pumping. Right, uh, that's a bad verb. He's still you know the Malcolm Jenkins that we remember from the Super Bowl run. Janoris Jenkins, the other cornerback, solid. Guys are going to be shutting down left and right. It just really is. What does playoff Tom Brady do, and how does he utilize all of his different players? You know, you mentioned the wide receiver, the trio there. Gronk has been in and out of being effective of, you know, whether or not he gets a touchdown or he's you know, gaining a number of yards here and there. Um, you know, that's certainly an X factor there, too, of that he could just be a big part of it and try to trip things up. They'll probably, the Saints will probably try to run more of a nickel type of package versus... Tampa Bay maybe trying to throw a little more heat and try to make Drew Brees' dangling arm, to put it colorfully, uh, try to make that beat them versus you know Alvin Kamara or trying to find some sort of screens or whatnot that, that Brees could take advantage of. So I think that's it. I think play calling and scheming that the defenses are going to come up with. I know we're talking about Brees and Brady, but the defenses, the way that they're prepared and how they're going to go after this, I think is going to be the biggest part of this because – how they react, the quarterbacks, that is, will be what determines this. And if the de- if the opposing defense doesn't break and just bends enough, that could win the football game for them. Now, for a pick, this becomes very interesting. Over-under set at 52, I'm staying away from that. That seems This does not seem like a high-scoring football game for a lot of the reasons I just mentioned. I feel like those defenses are going to be prepared. They're going to know who they need to shut down and have at least an idea of how to, to plan for it. Obviously, the Mike Tyson quote, you know, a plan is only good until you, until you get punched in the face, and then what's your plan? Um, obviously misquoting that, so I apologize, Matt. New Orleans minus three. I'm going to go with it because I think Kamara gets it done a little more. But Tampa Bay's front seven, if they're firing and they're playing, not necessarily the games of their lives, but if they're playing a good game, you could find a lot of those different intricacies of the New Orleans offense shut down and I don't know. Then you need to you need to go back to that Breeze and Michael Thomas connection, which has been shaky throughout this year, and that might need to be be the difference maker. Mm, yeah, um, I, I I like I said, this is my hardest pick of the week. I, I agree with everything you said. I 
Uh, but I am I am going to go with my my gut, and my gut does tell me not to root against my my golden boy, and and Tom and, and Tom Brady is hungry to to continue to prove that he he is superior to Bill, um, which he already kind of has. Maybe we'll see. Bill gets an opportunity, but I, I think there's enough weapons offensively for Tampa Bay. I think he gets it done late. And honestly, I think some of that does have to do with Drew Brees, who has not aged at this point to yeah, me he, as well he, as Tom. He, he's a big part of this, of look, whether or not he plays. I mean, I'm still taking. I, look, I'm still think he's an effective quarterback, and I think he's valuable. I, I, I but I, yeah, I, I'm going to go with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go to the NFC Championship game and set up a Brady Rogers showdown, which would be wow. Yeah, we finally get it after all these years. You know, we've been There's waiting. A lot of great. That's the. Yeah, there's so many storylines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To me, and, and there's not a team I'm not. There's really a, the. I mean, there's really a, to me. There's not a team that I don't think is is worthy. Um, there's a lot of cool teams out there that that I think would be make a great matchup in the end in the championship games and in the Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, exciting. Yeah, it's it's definitely gonna be a great weekend. I know. Uh, obviously, we had six games last week. Did you like the fact that there's a seventh seed now and that we got six games? I guess I do. I think it, like it would have been hard. I think you know they already excluded the Dolphins, who had a great year. If great year, they had a good, decent year. You know, it would have been hard to to not like when you think of Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Baltimore. They all had really good seasons. They all probably deserve to be in the playoffs. So thankfully, there was seven seeds. I, I don't want to see it get any bigger than that because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I, I'm not here to honor. I don't want to honor mediocrity. Um, I don't know. I say I say that, but then I'm also I'm also totally fine with Washington being in the playoffs too. Exactly. So, but but then again, I, I you know you look at the Bears. I mean, the Bears really deserve to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, the Cardinals can have complaints, but they they didn't win when they needed to. Yeah. So, um, I think the AFC it's more well deserved. The NFC is fine. Um, so, yeah, I guess I did like it. Uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I think I did. And it, and it also, it made, I mean, the number one seeds were kind of established, but it did make teams play a lot longer. Because in the past, you may have had a team rest in the last week because they, they were the second seed and they would also get a bye. Exactly. So I, I guess I guess I do agree with it. I think it's good football. And I think it made for a really fun weekend this weekend. But I don't, any bigger than this, and I'm now, I'm, now you're losing me, you know? No, I so totally agree with you. I don't even like 17 games, but it is what it is. I totally agree with you. I think seven is the perfect number. We get that that mix of the teams who just sneak in. Obviously, the football team was a division winner. Uh, I think, you know, to answer your question about the Bears, obviously, you know, Arizona had plenty of opportunities to do, to get in and figure it all out, and, you know, they just didn't take advantage of it. And on the flip side of the AFC, I said this last week to Mike Clark, but all f- Actually, not all four of them, but many of those 10 and 6 teams were in the same division as either the Jets or the Jaguars. So they got something there. Obviously, the Colts lost to them once. So they uh, you know, they had to win one extra game other than the two layups that the other teams got. Um, but I totally agree with you. I think there's something to play for. It made Week 17 a little more exciting with different stuff that was going on. Obviously, you know, all the Eagles shit aside. Um but I do think that's obviously good, and I think they want to keep a you know a solid product for as long in the regular season as you can, especially when you know you want to keep eyes on football. If your team's not in there, you know you don't you kind of want to just keep owning that day Sunday. And the fact that they did, the fact that that you know the the one o'clock slot seemed to be the AFC time, the drama there, 
Then the four o'clock slot was the NFC drama and then the Eagles stupid thing. But I think that that's a great, you know, I don't know if that was intentionally done or obviously the scheduling was, but I don't know if that was their intent when they first said, Hey, we're going to go to seven seeds, but that was a great, you know, great spinoff from it. Uh, I agree with you though, that if you take away a buy, I do think that it, it kind of sours it a little bit. You're much more likely to get some seven and nine teams in there that are not division winners, which that is not good. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's a solid way or solid thing. I also think, and I know I might be, you know, on the outside of thinking this because you want to reward good regular seasons and that's why you gave out buys. But the fact that there were so many teams or so many years now that a team that it's been two teams that both had buys for the two Super Bowl teams and just changing that narrative a little bit and not making the the fact that you're the three seed now almost seem like it's a death sentence that you have to win three games in a row. Um, you know, I, I know that it's you want you want the best team to win and you want the best matchups, but I do think just having some sort of excitement where it doesn't seem written in stone that one of these four teams or two of these four teams are going to be the final two. Um, at least that in my brain, you know, dumb guy brain idea, but at least add some excitement there. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, I think that the problem is to what do you, what do you, what do you go to eight? If you go to eight, no, then... I, I don't think eight's the answer. Right. Cause then there's either, then there's no, what is there? No buys. Like you, you know, no buys. I mean, you yeah, which I don't nine. like that. Because again, or... if you go to nine, yeah, you go to eight or nine, you're starting adding teams that, quite frankly, to me, just didn't deserve it. To your point, yeah, Miami didn't win enough games. That's it. Period. Yeah, and they played the Jets twice and a Patriots team that, all, that wasn't right, good. All of the teams above Miami had more wins than them. This isn't a like there there wasn't a Washington, right? Exactly. Like all the teams above them won more games than they did. That at the end of the day, you got to get it done. That's why every week matters in the NFL. Um, so, so yeah, and, and again, I don't think the Cardinals deserved the playoff spot. They didn't play well enough. And Kyler Murray they was had hurt. opportunities, right? And they lost. Yeah. They, you know what? So again, the problem is you expand it any bigger, and you start to get this creep of teams that just don't deserve a shot. And then what happens if a team that went six and six, you know, eight and eight in the regular season does win it all? Do we feel good about that? I mean. Yeah, they were hot late, but ugh, that's why. Was other, it one of those giant teams, leagues, eight and eight though, or were they nine and seven? The ones that beat. Uh, Brady? It might have been nine and seven, okay. yeah. but 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 this is why, and I love the NFL playoffs. I don't I don't want to change it any more than it already has been. This is why though the NBA and the NHL have seven game series because it does limit a team. Yeah, because it's a one game getting thing. lucky. Yeah, right. Um, but I also sometimes don't like that either because it, there's let sometimes there's less upsets. We talk about this all the time in, in the NBA. It's one of the things I don't like about the NBA is. You know, it's like it's like college football. You kind of know what two teams are going to be there in the end, or four teams, if or if you will, are going to be. And that I don't like that. I like the, I like an underdog, you know. But um, so yeah. That's a great segue to talk about the national championship quick, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Say. But quickly on the that, NBA, like what I did there. I love it, but quickly on the NBA. The NBA outright. They moved to seven games so that there were no upsets. They've like admitted that <laughs> they used to have right. the five game series at the beginning and then too many one seeds were losing. So they went to seven, but perfect segue for the national championship game. Bama gets it done. Ohio state seemed like they were, they were throwing the haymakers right back, but then you know, just the talent of Bama Devonte Smith gets hurt, but he did his job. Three touchdowns in the first half, Matt, you mentioned it, that there's, I would say three teams now that we kind of should be expecting to be in the conversation, if not in the playoffs every year, that being Bama, OSU, and Clemson. Um, whether or not that's good or bad, 
you know, that's another debate for it. But what was your immediate takeaway from this game? So, um, first and foremost, I think my first takeaway was that Clemson wasn't as good as we thought that they were because, um, the, you know, we, you, you thought that, Oh my God, well, like if, if, if they could do this to Clemson's defense, Ohio state, they're going to do it to Alabama's. And if they can kind of shut down Trevor Lawrence and this Clemson offense, you know, I think what we forgot is I think we got a little enamored with Trevor Lawrence and forgot that Clemson lost a lot of receivers, right? T Higgins is in the NFL. Justin Ross is out for the year. So they didn't have the same skill makers on the outside. Um, and, and in comes Devontae Smith, clearly the Heisman Trophy um, winner. Um, but I, I, that was my first takeaway, honestly. Um, second, Mac Jones is the biggest question mark now in this NFL draft. Mm-hmm. I have, I, I watched him play. He seems to be really talented. He played injured all game. He's making every throw. Is that Alabama or is that Mac Jones? Um, I think that's a fascinating situation to watch there because someone could fall in love with him. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, you know, that, so that was, that was probably my two biggest takeaways. There's plenty else to talk about, but those are probably my biggest two. And I don't want to, I don't want to take any that you might have. No, the Mac Jones point is really good. Cause I think he played his ass off. Obviously when he has Devonte Smith, just doing ungodly things at the college level, it, it certainly helps, but he looked great too. And he, he got it done with his legs, a guy that you don't normally think of in that way. And he didn't really have to do that throughout this year. Um, you know, their running game outside of him was incredible too with Najee Harris. And I know obviously Ohio state had COVID stuff. Then they had injuries during the game, uh, but I thought, you know, they, they put up a really good fight throughout this season. And I think they certainly turned the narrative that if the big 10 had played a full season, like the sec did that they probably would have been in the playoffs. You know, even if they do slip up somewhere, I, I made this point last week, but they certainly even did that in the national championship game that before the, the injuries really started to catch up to them, they were right in it. And I think, you know, if their defense is fully healthy, whether COVID or injury-wise, maybe this game is less high-scoring and maybe it's a little closer. Or maybe not. Maybe they figure it out. I do think the one thing I'd give against Ohio State, obviously they lost. So there's a lot to give against them. But the that drive towards the end of the game that, you know, they had the overturned touchdown and then the close, close was his foot down. Did he have full control touchdown towards the end of the game? The fact that you milked that much time off the clock was strange to me. I know you were down by multiple touchdowns, so maybe you're just trying to, you know, end on a high note and and showcase your players well for the NFL. But I did think that was a little strange, uh, where you know they could have been really getting after it and, and whatnot and and figuring it out and and trying to get get there. But Bama also obviously had a very strong run game where they could have milked the clock. So maybe you're going out in your own terms. I don't know, but I think Fields obviously banged up still from the previous week. I think he played his heart out throughout that game. He's going to be somebody who, you know, there's probably going to be some storylines surrounding him at the NFL draft, but the Mac Jones point and the picture, do you see the picture of him in the locker room after the game? Mac Jones? Yeah, I did. Oh man. What fitness. I said this on the hockey show, but you know, Carson can be a vegan. Jalen Hurts can have all these videos of him doing the deadlifts and the squats. That is fitness that we got out of Mac Jones, the cigar, Nice little beer gut. That that man knows how to have a good time. I agree. <laughs> Glad um, I, the I, I, I thought I thought you know a couple other things um, that stood out. One, um, I, I don't know how this affects Justin Fields, but I played through a lot. Um, this is him going up against a lot of NFL caliber defenders. 
I'm not blaming only him, by the way. I think there's a back and forth here you have to talk about because it's also some of the – like is Chris uh, uh, um, Olave the wide receiver? Is he the real deal? Trey Sermon got hurt very early in this game, and it definitely negatively affected their game plan, right? They wanted to use him as a ground pound. He's been a stud for them. Um, but I don't know how scouts will see this because just like Alabama, by the way, you think of two as struggles in the NFL, even though it's very early. Alabama hasn't produced a lot of high-end high NFL quarterbacks. Neither has Ohio State. And Justin Fields was a Georgia commit, right? He played with Georgia for a year. He was the number one overall recruit. But there is a stigma now around both Alabama quarterbacks and Ohio State quarterbacks. Are they as good as we think they are? I think Fields is a much better prospect than anything else that Ohio State has produced. And I'm not – it's not a shot at Ohio State because they win. So I can't – I just know. But, you know, I, I don't know if this if this negatively impacts Fields, um, you know, Fields' value in the NFL draft because he – they obviously early on stayed with it, but but they also you know he, he couldn't keep pace, if you will, with an all-time Alabama offense. Yeah, that's um, a really good point. But he couldn't keep pace. If you did want to throw a a shot at Ohio State, you could have said, you know, the stigma is also that they like tattoos and strip clubs. So at least Justin Fields doesn't have that. Yeah, um, and uh, you know it opens up that the funny thing is next year, you know, uh, Alabama's got another top prospect coming in a quarterback, but. There's, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson all don't return their quarterback. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I know. And I know Mac Jones is only a one-year starter, but I think that's fascinating. Is this an opportunity? The fourth team that's kind of always been around is Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler comes back. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But I I think there's an opening now for some other teams next year to to have a shot. Um, So it'll be a fun college football year year next year. Um, Also, Nick Saban. I think at this point he is the greatest college football coach of all time. Oh yeah. And I think he could easily get to eight, eight, you know, so he can easily get a couple more national titles, but I think at this point he is, he stamped his, he's coach Kate. Um, he's the greatest college football coach of all time. Yeah. I don't think that's disputed now. I know obviously bear Bryant did a lot there and he passed him with a sixth. I thought it was cool too. They showed the, the montage of all the final calls of his lap of his other five national championships thought that was pretty sweet um but yeah he he's awesome i uh yeah good for bama you know i would uh i didn't know who i wanted to see win you know i obviously not a big fan of ohio state but would have liked to see something else in there but you know crazy stuff i read somewhere though in the i think it's now 21 college football game college football playoff games that only six of them have not been won by alabama clemson or ohio state how nuts is I know that? Ellis, yeah, LSU is two. Nuts. Oklahoma. LSU in there. Oklahoma. Oh, no, Oklahoma doesn't have anything. They never made the national championship yeah. game. Oregon has won. Oregon? Wait, wait. Oregon won the national? Oh, the EPG, I'm sorry, did you say appearance? Yeah, so it's the playoff game. So there's three a year, the two semis and the final. So this oh, is the seventh okay. year. I, I'm sorry, I missed yeah, 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 I'm idea, sorry. Yeah. So there's three games a year. No. So one te- obviously one team goes one and one, one. You know, two teams go zero and one, and one team goes two and zero. Michigan State made it one year. Yeah, so they so the of the of the games, Michigan State didn't win though. I think it's right. it might even be less now that I'm like thinking thinking about it out loud. But Ohio State, Clemson, and, and Ohio State have won the lion's share of games, and the other ones have been Georgia won a game, Oregon, LSU won two of them. So there's four games right there. You know that that type of thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I I think it's a. I don't know how to fix it, 
it's kind of a shame, you know, you want a little pair. Like, but, uh, and the weird thing is too, most of the, to your point, most of the teams that like, it's mostly the SEC teams that are even winning. Right. Yep. Um, what, what has happened? If you look across the, at, at, at the landscape, you think of Miami and Florida state powerhouses that are down. Uh, Texas, I know Miami USC. is ranked, but they're not Texas. You, you Texas, USC I was going to say the next two teams. I was going to point out, yep. you know, Michigan, Penn state, uh, even Wisconsin, not even having a, a win or appearance, and then and then the eight. And I mentioned the ACC already. Um, so yeah, I think that's a huge, huge deal. I, I think the problem here is the question is, what are the ratings? Are they losing fans? Yeah, I'm gonna root. People are gonna root for their alma mater, and people are gonna root for their state team, if you will. If you're from Alabama, you root for Alabama or Auburn. Not no disrespect there, but are they gonna lose the casual fan if it's always the same big blowouts by the best teams? Yeah, I don't know. I think gambling, gaining a lot of traction in the United States in terms of legality probably helps. Yeah, I think this game, you see a 75 over under, and then you know, certain sports books, including the one I use, had promos of lower number, throw it at even odds. I'm sure that helps. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, though, that you know the, the big fear of expanding it is that you make the regular season matter less. But now, you know, without six teams and you have this, this disparity in terms of value that conferences get and all this different stuff. You know, I want to see what the other bowl games looked like because, you know, some teams that we thought were going to be really good didn't end up doing something, you know, didn't end up pulling it off or, or, you know, their, their games ended up being kind of eh. And I don't know. It's, you know, when, when North Carolina, like really kind of screwed the pooch in a game against A&M that they were in and then really just fell apart there. You know, that's not good for the ACC. It's, it's obviously good for the SEC and A&M fans are, screaming that they should have been there instead of Notre Dame, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I that's some, so, so some people would say, well, they make the playoff bigger. I think six, I think six is now being proven as the number, but I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of more with you on six, you know, because then you could include another major conference winner and a wild card. Yeah. Um, I know we've discussed wild cards, but again, we talked about it. I mean, yeah, I think, I think power five auto bids and then a wild card. I know you don't. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, like the, the committee doesn't like the two lost teams. They want the the strong schedule and all that stuff. But like, then you can have the if this team doesn't make their conference championship because of an upset, they can still get in and all that sort of stuff. And you can have the debate I of think, who the final team should be. Yeah, but I think the hard part with the auto bid is 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 Notre Dame. Sure. And I, you know, I'm not a Notre Dame guy, but I think they have enough pull that they're going to say if there's an auto bid. If there's auto bids, Notre Dame is, always has to battle for one spot as yeah. opposed to six spots. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe so, you come up with weird – like the BCS had all these weird rules about like who was where, like the 3-4 rule and that shit. You remember that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, I do, right. Like yep. the auto bids to – for those that don't know, when the BCS was around, obviously you had auto bids for if you won your conference. They have that currently with the New Year's Six. But the 3-4 rule was that if a team of a non-conference champion was ranked third or fourth – they got an automatic bid into the into the bowl championship series games. Not obviously not the BCS national championship game, but they had that. And it, you know, obviously, you have to figure out something like that. How do you then do you have still like these other non-playoff New Year's Six bowl games or however many you want to call them at that point? But it become it definitely you know there's some stuff they'd have to figure out. That's actually a really good point. Of do you come up with some clause of a Notre Dame and non-power five? Do they take an auto bid if they're ranked ahead of this opponent or whatever it is? You know, 
Notre Dame's always had weird yeah. rules, and they did with the BCS too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, I, 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 just because it's a football pod, I want to make sure I at least touch on this NFL draft is going to be fascinating. Yes, absolutely. Because um, there's so many quarterbacks. Even you know Trevor Lawrence. We talked about Justin Fields. You've got Zach Wilson of BYU. Kyle Trask. Um, you've got. Uh, I talked about Mac Jones. Um, the uh, 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 Trey Lance from North Dakota, um, you know, is up there too. He could be a high pick. So there are quarterbacks all over the place that are obviously going to fundamentally shift what happens in this draft. There's some, there's some, there's three top level wide receivers. Um, there's a number of defensive linemen who are kind of the mid round picks. It's going to be a great draft. Tons of fascination to see what happens. Um, teams. I think there's going to be trades. I, I just, it's fascinating this year um, and a ton of talent coming out. Um, yeah. And, uh, but here's the question, Jordy, then we talked about, so the draft, but what about, what about the, uh, what about next year in college football? I mentioned some, some teams are going to be losing quarterbacks. Do you have any early front runners there? Do you have anybody that you're like, wow, I, you know, I'm excited to see what they can do. That's a good question. The short answer is no. I haven't done too much research into it, but okay. I do think it, it's going to be fun. I think, and I feel like it would might be this test of a year where you test to the to the audience of where you know they're the storylines of how who's going to replace Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones or Justin Fields or you know can this team finally get over the hump? And if it still stays status quo. Do we really start to get the rumblings? I know, obviously, the deals with ESPN and all that sort of stuff are there for the college football playoff, but do we really get the rumblings of, of change? So that's, I think, the overarching narrative of the season is probably going to be that way, and hopefully we're getting a full season where everybody's playing 12 games and we have as few COVID cancellations as possible. Um, so, we're, you know, so we actually have, you know, I don't want to say competent rankings, but more clear rankings. That was you know, definitely a theme that we had throughout this year of, where would we be if this conference didn't start late and all that stuff? So, I mean, obviously, yeah. that's that's the the kind of serious narrative. But I feel like the the status quo or no, and whether or not it's, it's sustainable, because obviously LSU had opt outs and all this sort of stuff. But it, it seemed like they were they could be the next team to to challenge Bama for the for the crown, and then they went away quickly after losing the number of guys to the NFL draft and opt outs. Yeah, here's what's funny. Most most. Rank, rankings have Alabama and Clemson one and two, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Um, names to remember: Bryce Young, five-star recruit. He came in for some late throws, but he he looks like a big deal. John John Michi from Alabama is he was unreal like, in the national you know, championship receiver. game. And and Bill O'Brien, incoming as dude, what a, what a what a Nick Saban reclamation center he is. Oh yeah, he takes coaches that have had problems. You think of Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. And now you've got, you know, Bill O'Brien. They're great minds. He brings them in, gives them a job. They have success. They move on. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it's I think it's um, going to be a lot of the same. Um, funny stat. Not a single Ohio State quarterback on the roster has thrown a collegiate pass. Whoa. Yeah. That's nuts. Wild. Yeah. Yep. So that's going to uh, – that'll be fun to see. And, and hopefully they get a little bit of a challenge from certain teams in the Big Ten. But Maddie D, I think that's gonna do it. Thank you as always. This was a good this was a good time. I'm glad you're back from Ukrainian Christmas. That's why I'm calling now any absence that you were you were out with Ukrainian Christmas. That's great. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, 
This weekend's going to be a lot of fun. I'm pumped for it. Nothing but football. And obviously, actually, no, the Flyers don't play on Saturday or Sunday. So we, you know, they were, the Flyers were nice enough to say we're going to play on Friday and then a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. So we got that going for us too. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Let's, Let's go, baby. So, football is not over, but everything else is revving up. It's also 24-7 football, but yes, oh, yeah, I'm with you all the way. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how everything goes with, with all of that, but we'll be back next week. Hopefully a hockey show, definitely a football show. But for my man, Matty D, I am the G-Man. Go subscribe to the podcast, join the Facebook group, all that stuff. Have a great weekend watching football. Let's go, baby.